Hi guys. So you see, there's this interesting thing that's happening in Nigeria right now, where the government waits for you to forget about something, then just bam, you are seeing it again in your face. And you be like, wait, I've not seen this before. But that, that that's what's happening now, right? The social media bill, all of a sudden, we're talking about it again. And in 2019, we're talking about social media bill and la di da di da. There were court orders. People went to the court to fight. And here we are again, talking about the social media bill. So, yeah, and guess who else do those things like that, right? Wait for you to forget that they've done something and come back. Yes, our very own tech founders. So, yeah, today we're going to be talking about very, very interesting stories in the tech space today. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be breezing through the first two, which are quite interesting. What I mentioned, but we're not going to spend too much time on it, but... We have a special guest in the house today to help us dissect the biggest story from last week, which is the story of a founder that raised over $80 million and shut down the company in less than four years or just three years. So, yeah, join me in the studio today to welcome Henry. I hope I got the spelling and the pronunciation correct. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, usually people, you know, put the vowel somewhere else, but... You did a good job on that one. So, oh. yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> where, where did you money put the ball? They will say something like in Zekwe, something like that. Oh, in Zekwe. They, they generally do that. But yeah. I'm, I'm glad you got it correctly. Good, good, <laughs> good. You're proud good. of yourself. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm really did not introduce me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do better, Emmanuel. So, right, right. So, I'm actually beefing Oluwani Femi. She has, she has been bashing me about the hosting. We've been fighting for hosting rights for the podcast. I have not been fighting scenes. with him. I've been taking my right, you know. Which right? To host. The right to host. It's fine, it's fine. Don't worry, don't worry. We're not going to jump to... Let's not even no. drag this too much. All the man can do, you know. You know what they say. Uh, okay, so... Let me invite you come. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Some, some, some things happen behind the scenes. Oh, you're not aware of. I'm not aware of. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. People, please know your friends. Um, know people that wish you well. Okay, yeah. So Henry works with WeTracker, a Pan African media company, and uh, yeah, they've been publishing lots of stories in tech space. And we said, okay, wait, let's have a change. Let's bring in some external people today. And uh, but yeah, before we talk, he, you broke the story. For Dash, yes? Yeah, you could say that. Yeah, I did. Yeah, she so. to be humble. <laughs> so well, a little modesty doesn't hurt, but yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, it was an interesting story that everybody has been talking about. And uh, yeah, before we head into Dash, let's talk about South Africa. So, a few years ago, the NCC in Nigeria said everybody should go and register their SIM. One of the biggest echoes in Nigeria got a 1 billion naira fine. And uh, this time around, something else is happening. Are you the one taking it or am I taking it? I, I, I should mention it's just like, the first thing that came to my mind was like, why are we still talking about issues like this in 2023? Mm. South Africa is um, reviewing or amending its SIM registration law mm. to say that, um, to, 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 be, to make sure that everybody that registers for a SIM have their identity intact. Like, so they are going to, they're trying to like, fix a loophole that criminals have seen in the law that allows anybody to just register as many sims as possible. Mm. So now this is going to like put a limit or a cap to the number of sims a person can have or registered in their names. And I'm like, okay, so what if they find a loophole again? Yeah. What if there, are, if there are no loopholes in the law? What if there are loopholes with the telecommunication companies? 
what do they want to do about that? So I just feel that one yeah, is a loophole. Yeah, they're, they're just targeting the the wrong thing. So what do I you think, think they should be doing? African countries should just focus on fixing their identification. Mm, when you're able to fix identification, a lot of things will be curbed because people fear to be caught in their criminal act. So if you can be able to fix the identification and also follow through in enforcing that if these people break the law, we can bring them to order, then people will be be curtailed from doing unnecessary things. But going after this, amending a 2005 law in 2023, I think it's misplaced priority. Okay. Henry, do you agree? Uh, seeing registration is just like one of those things you, the way you, you know, kick things off. Mm. When you said uh, something governments do, when you think they've forgotten about it. Um, okay, governments will think we're forgetting about something. Mm. And I think this is the reverse. Uh, it will be as if, you know, individuals have forgotten about something and then the government will come and, you know, rehash it. So in Nigeria, not too long ago, I think, was it last year or even a couple of years ago, yes, there was this, December. you know, mad scramble for the same thing. Yeah. And uh, not too, not that long ago, it was also Nin. So all these things keep coming up. I just feel like it's one of those things that people will learn to live with from time to time. Just expect your governments to <laughs> want you to do some kind of registration, whether to clean up a system, whether to plug certain gaps or, you or know, to hide some things. Or to hide some <laughs> Instead of, train, instead of, instead of, instead of starting fire in a commission, <laughs> just do that kind of thing. Things will get missing, you know? Mm. Yeah. Not from my mouth. Interesting one. So, and the one of those things that I just keep, you know, it's on a rolling basis, basically, at this point. On a rolling basis. <laughs> on a rolling basis. <laughs> <laughs> they just be like, okay, okay, okay. It's time for more sim registrations. No, let's, let's stress these people. Yeah. Okay, so let yeah. me try and play devil's advocate here. And I'm using this to cue in the next story. They said by incident, this whole multiple SIM card uh, issue has led to fraud incidents and they lose about $920 per incident. Mm. And yeah, there's a lot of fraud going on in this space. And uh, it leads me to the second story, which is an OPA story where the Data Protection Commission in Nigeria is saying they might fine OPA, Meta and DHL for infringing on the privacy of Nigerians. So OPA... We all heard the story last week now. Mm -hmm. People will discover that they had accounts in OPE that they knew nothing about. Uh, Meta is targeted behavioral advertising without my, their consent. That one is very funny because, mm. I mean, <laughs> it sounds vague, privacy. but it's one of those vague things that yeah, you can stretch and stretch and stretch and you know, still get the person hooked somehow, basically. Will they be able to get them hooked? Well, so. I feel like, you know, it's it's government. It's what government does. <laughs> if they want to hook you, they will hook you. And if you want to keep, you know, being on their good side, sometimes you just have to bend the knees, so to speak. Mm. So. You know what I think? I think this is posturing. Okay. Posturing over what? Um, um, NCDC or NCDC. NCDC. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Forgive me. But <laughs> well, you know not what you do, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's posturing because we understand the fact that, for one, Africans really um, care about their privacy. We read privacy terms and conditions before they accept them. Who cares? Who they submit? As in, like, uh, when, when you go online and you see some people ask questions and you know that these people are clearly going to use it for fishing and you see, see people bringing their details under those comments you know that they mm. don't care so NC, 
one of my reporters for this and yeah she knows who i'm talking about she knows who i'm talking about so when coming now and saying okay you no know these things if you want to go ahead and the the, the kind of buzz opa created online last week you know that people were confused when they needed answers you get so if you wanted to oh, go ahead and investigate I this you could should have saying. gone ahead and investigate it which which one is we are going to investigate well it's news it's news right it's a new cycle so, um, <laughs> i i understand the point you're making and to a certain extent i agree about you know the average person not being particularly fussy about all this data stuff mm-hmm. you know like you said uh, who reads all these terms of service and terms of conditions and what not but uh, somebody still has to play watchdog because uh, eventually uh, things tend to you know just go astray and you need to hold someone accountable so the watchdog has a role to play even though as you said the timing of this one just feels a little you know oh. a little convenient a, a little convenient and uh, it's basically like after all the boss in the past week around op mm-hmm. uh somebody thought oh it's time to earn my pay exactly let's just there is the bit i don't but, care you know we've don't, heard don't tell me yeah. how to pronounce it <laughs> you know so what what, she, what you just said just reminded me of nida 2019 they said they're investigating true color for data yeah, privacy. there's always activity activity you need to what show working to show working right? if you are if you are an organization like that mm. you need to show why you know you exist so from time to time you know you just figure out where something is going awry and then you put out a statement or something no, you, sorry one, one thing don't do your hand like this not my love you you're supposed to ask me questions so <laughs> can you talk please thank I'll you talk. finish laughing finish laughing so i was going to say something like you know what came to my mind was um the the article jude wrote on tech point talking about how startups have to pay a lot of money to change people's attitude like i just realized that governments really do that kind of thing they know that the issue we have is a attitude issue is it it's an attitude problem is a like conditioning problem so they didn't I, I don't see government spending money to change people's notion especially when if you want to address a, an issue like privacy like this what you should do is to pay attention to or orientation getting people to be aware of their privacy then it will make your work easy so yes i admit that it is it is positioning and you know new cycle well we do hope that maybe at the end of the day this will not be another one of those things that people will just forget about <sighs> whenever it's convenient again to dig it up and so and I'm like, yeah. oh that, that's yeah, if they are going to take action they should you know follow it through and bring about recommendations or any kind of solutions that will actually set things right mm. so that you know if they are trying to protect us they should go the entire you know hall and do it mm. yeah Okay, okay, so I was going. To, I, so I know we've been bashing government here, and so there's something that I also need to take in, into consideration is the fact that sometimes some of this orientation that we think is not going on is actually going on. So, for example, how many of us listen to the radio? How many of us read, read newspapers? They should meet me where I am. Eh, but they also lying. they also do meet you where you are. They post on their social medias. Like there's, I can every single time there's a phishing attack or whatever. 
Twitter yeah. posts. In on terms of awareness, media. I do. I've they seen. Do, I've seen it. They yeah. do do stuff like that. Especially, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I I don't know if you can say that that is enough. But they're not spending they money do. like you are trying to change me. And she spend money. And I almost feel like they also do like physical education, like, you're like about something like <laughs> people. I don't know. But let's not bash them too much. We know they okay. do some kind of. I should extend grace. Is, yeah, give them grace some to grace. the government. Grace. I'm not usually a government evangelist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I believe you. I believe you. But I agree. yeah, in the spirit of extending grace, yes, the story that people have been talking about but i don't know if he's going to grace have is off the table as we go into this conversation yeah so this is a no who's bad conversation i'm going to be blunt <laughs> and uh yeah let's 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 move on so last week we had the story of dash so henry can you give us the lowdown of dash okay dash is or was a financial technology company that wanted to change the entire dynamic of, you know, mobile money and then, you know, sort of bring a kind of concordance or connect it with the banking system across different countries. It's basically something that wanted to be an app for everything you need everywhere you go, you know, whether you're transacting with mobile money or bank as you're switching countries on the continent. So um, it started off and then we didn't hear much of dash honestly until the seed round that was announced last year uh i think it was 32.8 million dollars that was like a record it was it was huge for an african startup at that point in time so people took notice and uh, people were like whoa let's pay attention to this company and uh, honestly something you know a little odd happened a few weeks after that announcement when suddenly news got out that the Bank of Ghana, you know, was sort of clamping down on Dash and trying to, I mean, basically told them to cease operations because they were operating without the appropriate licenses. Hmm. And uh, it was just, I don't, I don't know if it was up to two weeks after the announcement of that seed round. So when I first saw that news, in fact, I was like, this will not be accurate. Maybe there is, you know, Maybe this is just sensationalism. Maybe there is something that we don't know. So I tried my possible best to get the, to the bottom of that matter, but it proved futile. So for all we know, you know, Dash was a company that was doing quite well until it emerged that that wasn't the case. And a lot of things have since, you know, come to light since then. Hmm. Uh, the company as it is, is winding down and the reason that things got to this stage or the chain of events leading up to this stage of things is a lot of you know should i say questionable decisions questionable actions just different things that happened inside the company uh, on the part of the company's leadership and to this moment we don't know if some of the alleged allegations basically are you know enough to actually get the founder brought to book because from my conversations with people uh they don't nobody knows of any legal matter around the whole subject at this point in time but there is confirmation that there was malfeasance at the heart of the issue and it you know was orchestrated 
by the founder and certain members of his leadership. So Let me just uh, interject there. Can you give us like the malfeasances, if permit me, if I can use that word, please. Pressures don't come for me. But yeah, pressures are a copy editor. So yeah, like, can you give me bullet points? Like, what exactly were they doing? Like, just list them out. Okay. Um, when suggestions of this first emerged, and the founder of Dash, Prince Bonpong, was suspended, the board of the company called an audit, and that audit would eventually reveal, you know, certain things. And some of the things revealed were that the company's, you know, numbers, the numbers that touted the company's impressive growth were not really as it seemed. Dash was said to be making, you know, millions of dollars in revenue. Transactions processed had crossed a billion dollars, according to the company. Hmm. Its user base was across three million into four million territory, according to what was reported to the media over a period. And uh, it was found that those numbers were in false, basically. And they they did not have those numbers as they were as they claimed. So um it also emerged that the founder misappropriated an amount of money totaling up to eight million dollars and some of this money went into private purchases hmm. for you know houses, property hmm. and then Just I think there's a there's a car as well involved. So uh this financial misreporting as well as misappropriation were some of the you know main ingredients in the issue mm-hmm. and of course it begs a lot of questions it's that's, that's interesting yeah, do you do you have like something to to say yes. at this point due diligence okay let's not go there yet <laughs> no, no, I, think, I think we should talk about it sincerely no, like now like now like have we had the full story like have we had the full gist i want to know before mm. we move to due diligence well that's that's it more or less because i was he- I, okay so i heard I, he I was, there's something else you there's, there's something that i read that he was paying himself six hundred thousand dollars. oh yeah. yeah yeah that part that part salary was hefty and the i think something that stood out was the fact that the company hadn't managed to actually put its product like get its product into the market and start making real money i mean all this you know revenue that it was said to be making were not the case so it was struggling internally to go to market basically so wait we're even talking about go to market not yeah, yeah. not BMF. actually it had you know <laughs> it had a platform it had an app i mean if you go on play store you'd see the app has 100 and 100,000 plus downloads but the company's internal systems you know have a number much lower at around 28,000 users hmm. and uh, these users are not users that are actually making that the company is making revenue from hmm. they are just users but the com- the product itself had you know issues that were being ironed out there were teams in several countries from the USA hmm. to Ghana Nigeria Kenya globally South Africa so all these teams were in several uh, places. The number of employees at its peak was well over 100. And uh, 
it's just uh i don't know if it's good practice but i don't think it's good practice to have a team that large to be that bloated so early no, yeah not even when, like when the company isn't yet making you know money and then the salaries too you know hiring all this quality talent from you know so many different places Dude. you have to compete and competition means you have to Dude. make good offers so there was a salary you know bloat at the company and i don't know how you know eventually all the money ran out so soon because the company uh, yeah. in its it's, it's, it's obvious <laughs> why yeah. will it yeah. not run out it, you're not making money yeah it's it's really it's really fast the, the burn was really fast and over its lifetime it raised over 80 million dollars and it is you know most unfortunate that at the end of the day uh the investors who trusted the company who believed in the vision mm. will you know just have to count their losses uh although there are question marks around whether the investors did their homework enough or whether they were just driven to the next yeah you know, so back to the famous point about yeah, due diligence, due diligence. that's the main trust yeah so i think I'm, i i will not say if i won't tell investors investors how to do their businesses but i would just say that um they should look beyond the the charisma the how those people, the founders impress them or so-called track record that the founders have. They should look beyond that and look at what they hold as values. You get, like, some of us grew up to not spend other people's money until they give us the money, right? It starts from something as basic as that. Those are values that make you to say that investors' money is not my money. Investors' money, raising money is not spending money. Raising money is to make money. So looking at those values that those people would, how they manage, have they ever even tested having money before to start with? <laughs> because when you, are, when you have got it to that stage and you just receive one big money like this, the money will confuse you and the money will tell you this is how you should spend me. Instead of you controlling the money, how you should spend it. So I think we should go beyond just looking at the charisma that this person has, how the person has been able to pitch what they are building, how they've been able to sell that dream to you and go beyond that. You know, there's this thing that I noticed with investors. When something like this happened, this is not just a statistic of 9 out of 10 startups fail. This is not the regular statistics of 9 out of 10 startups fail. This is like... I, I see your point. It, it's, 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 it's not that you get. So... In this case, investors themselves are looking at themselves and they're no, this is uh, this is terrible. So in this case like this, when you were talking about no legal things surrounding it, investors are the ones that are supposed to take that kind of step, but they will not because it put like a a stigma. Flash, stigma on them, like ah, ah bah, why will you put this much money? Are you and this kind of thing happen? You get so I just feel that I think so. Uh, I don't know who tweeted it. One of the founders, one of the OGs in the Nigerian tech ecosystem, that said. Going forward, raising funds will be like you are going for colonies, co- colonoscopy. colonoscopy or, um, I don't know, maybe teeth <laughs> remover. Because they will tell you open wide. Oh, root canal. Op- root yeah. canal, yeah. So you are going to open wide. They are going to look deep because, well, there's no money in the, in the investment market to start with. So we're not going to put our money where you will lavish it. And it's recurring. This kind of thing is recurring and it's putting a bad stain on on the investment side so I, I hope we just fix up i hope we fix up and we and i hope media will stop celebrating fundraise 
They're part well, of the you, problem. Well, you publish fundraiser. <laughs> no, starting. <laughs> well, but I know, I know fundraise. Uh, maybe it's unpopular at the moment. You know, announcing it, celebrating okay. it. But I have to point out that fundraise is an important milestone on the you know on the venture journey. It's an important milestone, and uh, yeah, it's a good thing you said uh, media. You know, fundraise and all that stuff, because. Yeah, it's media's duty to highlight what's going on and fundraise can be what's going on. But also, you know, egregious behavior can also be what's going on. So media is there to bear witness. So um, ultimately, I think the ecosystem will be better for it, you know, given the you know whole incident. Although it's very unfortunate, I, I do believe that for the most part, the investment community does a thorough job of due diligence, but over the past year or two, there was just, you know, a period of, should I say, irresponsible investing on, you know, to a certain degree. It's almost like uh, it became gambling at the point, you know, you don't want to miss this ship, you know, you want to get in early and, FOMO. you know, that kind of thing. And then the African uh, tech ecosystem is quite promising and there's potential for people who get early ins to actually make huge returns in the long run. So uh, I don't know how, you know, silver-tongued Prince Bompong was, but <laughs> he did, you know, sell a vision that investors bought into. And I'm sure at certain points in time, there was, an, there was maybe an inkling or an actual plan on ground to follow through with it. But it's just really, really you, you just can't ignore the fact that so many things went wrong and it's not because of and it's not accidental it's not something that just happened that you had no control over mm -hmm. this were you know just some very very questionable actions yeah. that he took and the company is unfortunately going under because of it so ultimately this whole thing uh is a correction that has been due for some time and it will just it's not like it's not necessarily a stain on the entire ecosystem or a blight it will just make us return to doing things the way it should be done. Mm -hmm. So that's what I believe. So here is my underlying issue with all of this. Okay, let's hear you. This guy, you remember my intro? <laughs> this guy, okay. mark my words, in a few years' time, mm -hmm. he's going to raise money for another fund. They will say he has learned his lesson. Uh, you don't they, believe in second chances. This is a <laughs> no, second chance. No, second chances. No, no, this is a second startup actually. Oh, yeah. So third chances. Yeah, third <laughs> chances, right? And his co-founder from his first startup was also involved in another issue. Oh, that's a different matter altogether. But yeah, I, yeah, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> so we should nose, look at so, yeah. the values of the founder. I know you separate the business from the founder, but sometimes we just have to look really? into so it. So what yeah. if he comes back and say he has lent? Because so the same thing happened with Health Lane. Health Lane, actually, before Health Lane, there was Gifted Mom. Mm -hmm. Gifted mom went the way Healthlane went. Mm -hmm. He came back and said he has learned his lesson. So I'm not as, the one that we tell the investors how to do their have business. Have investors learned their lesson, or are they going to? If this guy comes with another startup and he learns his lesson, uh, I'm going to feel bad about. Well, <laughs> I, I don't believe there is anybody that sets out to become a venture capitalist that just sets out to throw money away mm. to start with. So it's the onus is on, you know, the people with the money to actually make sure that where their money is going to, 
you know, they can, you know, rest easy that this is a bet that they should be making. And uh, even after making the bet, how much, you know, corporate governance is going to be put in place uh, to ensure that things are running, you know, on the up and up, those sort of things. So these are, you know, questions. Maybe, maybe right now things, things are difficult in the market because of the, you know, nature of the venture capital, you know, and the financial markets and all that stuff. But ultimately, people want to invest. People want to, you know, grow their money. And there's an opportunity in Africa. They just have to do a better job of picking which bets to make. Uh, in fact, why am I calling it bets? So it doesn't sound like gamble. <laughs> Let's call it investment. Mm. Because ultimately, venture capital, you know, it's about making money. There is even capital in the name. It's about, it's about giving money to make money. So you don't want to just see all your money go down the drain. So the onus is on you to do a better job of giving, of choosing who to give your money to. So if a founder emerges after, you know, a period of controversy like this and appears to be a changed man and, you know, you convince yourself that he's changed, nobody's going to stop you. But, you know, ultimately, uh, the handwriting is on the wall. Mm. Right. Yeah. Okay. You're going to learn or you're not going to learn. <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. I think it's, it's been a really interesting one. So I guess... I mean, there were red flags, I, and I wonder why people didn't pick up on it on time. Someone close to the matter actually told me they saw the amount of transactions that was coming through Dash, and they had to block them off mm-hmm. because the, the, it was ridiculous for a startup that just raised yes, and and it's just, it's just new to the market, and they are processing. So those transaction figures they were actually uh, talking about. It seems it's it's not actually totally fake. It's just something that <laughs> it's 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 not genuine in that. Yeah, it's, it's not real. It's not the company you know doing all these numbers and transactions. Yes, exactly. Just, you know them cooking the cooking books, cooking know, financial misreporting and all that stuff. It's, What's this breaking bad guy's name? Ah. Uh, uh, is it, is it Walter White? Walter White. Yes. <laughs> Your Walter cookie. White cook. <laughs> so, I mean, the, there were red flags, like you said. It is unprecedented for a company at that stage mm. to grow the way it did, especially without sort of visibility that you would expect. Especially, it's a consumer-facing company first, although there was a business-facing product that was being developed, but it was, you know, generally... Initially, consumer see, yeah. So, these volumes, you know, where are they? Why so are people using maybe, it? Maybe this is one of those cases where you're like, ah, this this one could have been found out. Like, it could have been easy to spot this. Any, you know, small amount of due diligence should have, you know, brought it out. But I don't know how it played out ultimately on the inside. But, you know, it's the world of, you know, investing. Is it possible that someone who was in early, you know, knew about the whole thing? I wanted to get out. Of course, they need to, you know, hand it right. over to somebody else. Yeah. If you're, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> but to convince other investors things are, to put their money in. Said that I please. Yeah, it's not like, I mean, it may, it may have become a game of musical chairs where you come in and see that, you know, it's a house of cards. But then, you know, if you scream loud, you might, you know, end up ruining your own investments too. So you're like, uh, maybe, of, of course, this is all speculation. Yeah. I don't know, but it's possible that this is how the company actually managed to carry on with the deception for as long as it did. 
Yeah, that's that's quite an interesting one. So, yeah, thank you, Harry, for that uh, insightful perspective. And like I said, uh, we're, we're, we should we should see. Yeah, you're welcome. So I think I, I like Nifemi and Harry. I said I think we should see more due diligence in investments and startups. More, we should be more critical when even someone says they've changed because not most of the time it doesn't happen that way. But yeah, that's uh, I think those are key takeaways. More due diligence, more more talking to each other. So like the the fraud issue that happened with. Okay, let me just keep quiet. (laughs) (laughs) Keep quiet, but yeah. More talking to each other in the space and yeah. Okay. So let's talk about him work. If no one is good for you. Okay, yeah. So yeah, a bunch of other things happened during the week. We decided to shelve in favor of talking about Dash and the same registration thing and OP and the rest of them. But yeah, let's talk about... Let let me just give them a mention. Nigeria wants to acquire another satellite because the one they had... Move on. <laughs> okay. Global Global launches a carrier's pledge, whatever that means. Why they gave it that name is all, it's beyond me, but yeah, carrier's kind of. It's like, you're trying to say, okay, you know this thing that um, ride-dealing companies have been trying with drivers, that they consider them as contractors and not employees. So Global is trying to say, okay, we give you some benefits that... Not my employees oh. have right insurance, um, taking care of family, maternity leave, paternity leave. But you are not still our employee. Oh, but we just want okay. to give. Okay, that's what they mean. I don't know, but that's what. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 pretty much it. That's pretty much call it. Call it hybrid engagement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then uh, Kenya is refusing wow. to allow boats to renew its license. Kenya and licensing issues are like this. <laughs> but it's fine. Showing everybody. What? <laughs> well, all these things. <laughs> yeah, South Africa's. Okay, let's let's let me skip that. So let, let's talk about Speech Friday. I pointed to you and then you yeah. for talking now. Let's talk about <laughs> Speech Friday. I don't think we're going to talk about your event. You yeah, yeah, we're getting there. Yeah, we're getting there. You know what is good for him? We get there. Yeah. <laughs> She's agitated. I was about, you thought I was about to kill you, right? No, you were talking about Speech Friday. Come and pitch your startup. Come and learn from people, founders who are just building very, very super early stage founders who are still trying to go to the market and have not raised. Eighty million dollars. They they are trying to actually do stuff and they're looking for feedback from investors, from customers, from legal, from a bunch of yeah. So it's a very 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 close knit community. It's tied to the Equity Merchants newsletter and the series and the podcast. And yeah, it's holding at Zone Tech Park on Friday by yeah Friday three p.m. 3 p.m. Uh, at Zone Tech Park at Bagada in Lagos. We can also join in online if you prefer to stream. You can join. You can join in on YouTube. Take ask your questions. Yeah, Tech Pan Africa YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe to all our newsletters: FinTech Today, Workaholic, and of course Equity Merchants. Now, finally, let's talk about. Yeah, we're heading towards 200 episode of Tap Tech One Africa podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is our host is trying me. I'm patient. Yeah, shouts out to all our, uh, our loyal listeners and watchers and viewers. And uh, let's talk about the workplace event. For you. <laughs> <laughs> the modern workplace Africa conference is coming. It's almost here. I'm excited. Ooh. I'm excited. You can see it on my face, yeah. It will be holding on the 21st of October in a few days, say eight or nine days away. 
and we have we're working day and night to make sure you have a good experience and if you've not registered how do you want to experience the experience mm-hmm. just tell me so go to modernworkplaceafrica.com and register there are dedicated stages for HR professionals and executives, those tickets, you can get them also by going to modernworkplaceafrica.com and register. I can tell you, say, tell people you heard from me. We have like a very solid list of speakers that are coming there, right? The, the general stage is going to be, you know, filled with insight. The executive stage, there will be master classes and workshop, and you get to network with other C-level executives. HR professionals will also be able to sit under master classes that will help them to fit into the modern workplace. And also, we are bringing a very interesting touch to how you can also balance your life and your work in the modern workplace, being a modern employee or a modern employer. You get it. There are a lot of things to be learned. You can go to the website, modernworkplaceafrica.com to check our speakers and also the agenda will also be put there so that you have an idea of what you're coming there to learn if you've not bought your ticket. Do you want me to lose my job? Is, is there something for... Has that been concluded? The... Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, and you are bringing a very beautiful touch to it too because you understand that people have families but still they want to work. If you have a child that is probably going to keep you away from the modern workplace, we have like an onset event pop-up crutch handled by the Baby Lounge VI. And they will have like a crutch there where we take care, where they will take care of your children. So don't let that hold you back. Go and buy that ticket, the HR ticket or the executive ticket. Pay for it and... You will have a nice time at the event. Yes, I'm excited. I can't wait, you know. Event owner. Oh, Lord. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Nifemi. And I, I can feel the energy. Yes, you are. It's the energy. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not always like this. I'm too sh- Okay, it's fine. That's the that's the feeling when the modern workplace events is drawing it's, close. It's, it's drawing yeah, close, right? It's yeah. the feeling. She's, she's, she's excited. Yes, I am. <laughs> thank you very much. All right, all right. So, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share. And, uh, yeah, anywhere you're watching this and anywhere you're listening to it, uh, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn. Then for our audio listeners, Bolu is not here. You can find us on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, IH Radio, and everywhere. Oh shit! I thought I got you it. Not bullied, don't everywhere. Worry. <laughs> and everywhere else, you get your podcast. All right, people. Bye bye. Two piece. <laughs> bye everyone. Yeah, thank you.